Here in Orlando, Florida, O-Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of O-Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. If you enjoy the Community Composting Podcast and want to support future episodes, please follow the link in the episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation, even if it's $5 to $10 a month. We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling. Hi, welcome to episode number 42. I'm honored here to have Mike of Everoak Farms. Everoak Farms uh, is located in East Orlando and is actually a neighbor of mine, but one of our key processing sites for our compost. Mike has a tractor that he uses to, you know, turn the compost and he uses the compost on his farm. Um, but yeah, Mike, talk a little bit about Everoak and, you know, when you started the farm and, you know, how you got into that um, life and, and everything. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, Everoak Farm started back in February of 2019. Um, originally, when I started the farm, or let me take back how I got into market growing. Um, I've been in the hospitality industry for 10 years um, yeah. up to that moment. And uh, halfway through those 10 years, I wanted a career change and get more into the, the root of um, uh, food, of growing mm-hmm. and the sustainability of it. And a lot of it too started being self-reliant. Um, yeah, you've been working at restaurants for quite a while. Yeah. Um, did that and then uh, started in 2015 market growing. Um, up in Sorrento. And what um, is like market growing? I mean, I've read the yeah. JM Fortier <laughs> book, but I don't think everyone has. Yeah, market grow is essentially you're growing directly to your consumer. So directly mm-hmm. and providing directly to your market. Uh, so that's why I keep referring to growing versus some other farms. Uh, they grow on such a large scale that they end up selling. They sell to uh, uh, distributors and then that gets moved down the whole entire food chain. Right. Uh, so the point of market growing is to shorten that food chain. Um, and that supply, sorry, that supply chain and, uh, getting it closer to home as much as possible. Um, so, and, uh, where we go from there? I mean, how, um, now you've kind of started a CSA in the Orlando community. You've started like a chicken oh, yeah, so, share. Yep. So leading back to going back to the origins of Ever Oak, uh, before that, we were urban farming, and uh, we split up from our previous partners there. And then that's when my wife and I decided to start Evero. I uh, came across uh, uh, that property here in East Orlando. We do lease. Um, and by the way, the property is amazing. Yeah. It's like surrounded by you know suburban neighborhoods, but right there in the middle of it all is like an agriculturally zoned property. Your neighbors are also pretty ag. Um, we used to take our food scraps to Mike's neighbor, this uh, Vietnamese guy named Tom, who he grows like a lot of the exotic fruit for yeah, the Asian markets. Bananas, guavas, uh, he has some jackfruits going. Um, 
yeah, it was a bitter melon. So he's yeah. going a lot for the Asian market. So it's like an enclave in the middle yeah. of. I mean, it's very urban farming. <laughs> it is urban farming, but then when you're there, you never feel like you're like in an urban area. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. But uh, it's cool being smack down in the, in the city and being right where our market stream is. Um, so within our farm, um, we raise a variety of vegetables, uh, raise poultry for meat and eggs. Uh, we keep bees on the property. Um, and then now we're also getting into raising uh, swine. Um, got a lot going on. There. Yeah, seriously. Um, and to add yeah. compost into and the mix. now processing <laughs> compost. Um, which, yeah, which is, I've been diving more into, like, really getting the whole. And yeah. When you, when you first, like, initially accepted my proposal to process compost, what was your thought process? Well, at first, I know it was mentioned a while back, and I didn't have the proper machinery, and I was like, I can't process yeah. it. I can't get into this. And even, like, yeah. But, uh. Then I was like, you know what, like at that moment when you proposed it and we talked again and at that time my uh, landlord was like, go ahead and have free range of the, the tractor. I was like, all right, cool. Let's get into making compost because um, I've always wanting to close our loop on uh, building soil fertility as much as possible. That's why I introduced poultry into our outfit, not only that with poultry being decent composter needing a lot of the farm food scraps, but also the manures and rotating them through our garden blocks. Um, compost is something I've always been interested in. I've looked into different methods of composting, like vermicomposting, and uh, tried that for a bit, or doing even soldier fly, uh, using soldier flies and trying to scale that up to also provide protein, uh, food source for the chickens as well. But at the scale that I need and the amount of compost I need isn't doable for that. So being able to partner up with you and also having a limited source of um, wood chips as well. Right. And uh, uh, landscapers <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> neighborhood. Love Which, Mike. <laughs> a lot of uh, other uh, growers envy, uh, rural, rural growers envy that uh, the amount of yeah. uh, access to wood chips we can get just because at the, the convenience of where we're located. So it just kind of made sense to where we're located and, uh, and what we're trying to do within our farm um, to to partner up and build compost uh, or to make compost um, yeah, to it, build soil. Um, and like, yeah, Mike is essentially on farm composting. It's not a huge operation, so it falls under that FDP 100 cubic yard limit. But also, um, I think it really works out for you because, like, how do you add fertility for, to your farm? Oh, we'll use, we'll fertilize, but to build up that soil and that organic matter, a lot of it was uh, cover cropping, which we'll still mm. cover crop, and and using our, our poultry um, into our, our, our gardens and rotate them throughout. Like, you have chicken tractors. Yes. Yeah. We, we run, we move our chickens all throughout the farm. So during the off season, after cover cropping, we run all of our chickens through the garden blocks, um, so they can drop their manure, drop their feathers, um, scrub the grounds, eat any grubs or any pests, and try to help break some of that pest pressure as well. And uh, 
Uh, so that's what we were doing before. Prior to that, we were using Monterey mushroom compost um, and then eventually becoming more aware of what went into that compost. I decided to like step away from that. Not only did I not have the access to it because after 2020, <clears throat> when they shut down their facility to get that compost, because when I first moved on to the farm, that's what I was utilizing. And, uh, but the more when that cut off and the more I looked into what went into making that compost, I was like, nah, I like, I didn't want continue so, utilizing that on our just farm. Just for the listeners, Monterey Mushroom is like one of the biggest mushroom um, growers in, in the, Florida. They, in, they're button in the mushroom <laughs> in the nation. I think they got 11 locations throughout. Yeah, the their States. white button mushrooms are in every grocery store yeah. and they basically use like horse manure with straw. And chicken chicken bedding as well. Chicken and bedding. Straw. And that's what the medium to grow the mushrooms in. But then they, with, uh, your, then they hit it with some urea oh okay and then there's also cottonseed meal um and most of that cottonseed meal is gmo uh, so i try to refrain from using utilizing that <clears throat> and uh yeah and this is the idea of like depending where that manure source is as well and that's why i'm very selective where that manure source because depending how those animals are raised and what their diet and how they're treated yeah. passes on to the manure Right, the pers persistent herbicide is a is a big problem among composting sites around the nation, and you know that that's commonly found in like manure of horses, yeah, or livestock. So exactly. So getting back to and composting on the site when the machinery was offered and you proposed it again, I was like, perfect. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Definitely a little learning experience of how to properly manage it. Yeah, so how do you manage it from A to Z? You know, our truck comes in. Yeah. There's a... So, uh, before the truck loading in, I set up a nice big pad of mulch so that you can dump in. Uh, just in case if I get those sloppy loads. <laughs> and juicy. And those juicy loads that they can soak up all that goodness. And then... Um, then I top it off with mulch, uh, fold it into each other and mount it up. Uh, you've been a good guidance of like how to do it before. I was doing smaller mounds of trying to keep it in like four foot by four foot windrows or mm -hmm. I guess four feet high, four feet wide and then going windrows. Um, but then realized I can stack higher and try mm -hmm. to have such a small space on so like all right, I got to keep stacking up. So you're doing that about area where I'm composting is is only <clears throat> let's see that is like 50 by 100 foot yeah. area is the area that, that i'm composting it's on. not it's huge. huge so um, i have to really manage it like properly so, so um how high are your piles now now i'm actually stacking probably close to as high as the bucket can go which is probably about nine feet okay so i'm, I'm stacking pretty high um Monitoring my temperatures, I haven't been able to exceed 155, <clears throat> which I have intentionally been trying to keep it around that 130, 155. Range. Yeah, I, um, I, I know a lot of composters who don't want the yeah. piles to get too hot. So Yeah, that's what I've gathered so far because <laughs> then you're nuking any uh, micros. beneficial microbes. Yeah, exactly. So. And it allows kind of like the fungus to get in too mm -hmm. and break down stuff more and i guess fungus is good for your like yeah um final product 
Definitely, because introduce a lot of fungi into the mm -hmm. the gardens, uh, on the garden blocks. Um, but uh, I've been going off of your method of like how I've been rotating the compost of um, keeping it tall, uh, long, so all the fresher stuff comes towards the front, and then the time that I'm ready to turn, all the newer stuff kind of moves towards. I move us, flip it over to a second section so I break up my 50 by 100 foot block that I'm processing uh, so essentially the 20 so split in half of like 25 feet by 25 feet because I need room to get the tractors the tractor in between uh, fresher stuff then moves flip over towards the back or to the side I don't know how else to explain this so essentially I'm trying you're yeah. basically moving like the newer, the older stuff yeah. to a new uh, area in on the pad. Yeah. And during that, that's where it sits for more time to cure. Yeah. And when you're turning it in that after those like, you know, couple weeks, or yep. it, that's, you know, that's adding. It's always good to like turn your piles as much as you want but obviously mike is busy and he can't do it yeah. like every week so during this past summer i was able to kind of turn every like about five to seven days i was able to turn now it's been about every seven to <laughs> ten days yeah um but yeah and um, what do you notice when you're turning like what does the piles look like yeah it, it goes from since we're using like our carbon base is strictly just straight wood chips uh those wood chips go from brown to black real quick even mm. within that what after that first second turn yeah remember that know. watermelon load yeah. i brought you after like there was this watermelon 5k in town and i brought mike all this watermelon after i'm sure that broke down wicked fast right yeah within a week that was mostly gone watermelon is just 99 percent water yeah. there isn't much to it um but uh yeah it just it turns black real quick and uh the only thing is just now i've been carrying it because it stays hot for a while and it's mm -hmm. chunky um at first i was trying to spread it out chunky and it's hard to work with if it's yeah. too chunky in the sense of a lot of that carbon material still hasn't broken down it's nice because even if i do spray it with a carbon material on like rainy days after a rainy day that next morning you come through and you just see so much mycelium like popping through wow. which is fun to see but then when you're also trying to transplant into it or yeah. direct and the big thing is using the direct cedar because uh, then that gets all caught up in your cedar um <laughs> so now i'm getting to the point of also now managing to have another site on the farm that after I've turned about, let's see, anywhere between five to seven times and it's looking pretty good and it's starting to kind of mellow out a bit, that now I have a curing spot. Oh, you do? So now I'm actually curing. And that I'll mound even higher. Yeah. So I have such a small well, amount. The good thing about the curing uh, <coughs> area is like you can just mount it as high as you want and, you know, you can mix different stages of the compost into one curing which pile. i've been trying to layer it uh from like front to back of uh yeah like the stuff towards the back is the older stuff that's been carrying longer and then towards the front is the and this the is the stuff. same problem andrew has our other processing partner but you know you can't just go on and rent a screener 
I mean, no, no, I started just... looking into them, and I'm like, no, nah, I can't justify that at my scale. <laughs> yeah, they're like hundreds of dollars a day, and um, you know that would essentially solve the problem of having chunky stuff that you can't really direct seed into. Yeah, but it's just out of most people's range, ours included. So yeah. I've been looking even at DIY and like build yourself. I got access to random mechanical stuff and like a welder and just yeah. trying to get into. I don't know how would it look if I made my own skater, but have you? Um, I don't like, have time. <laughs> I've yeah. even looked into like building your own windrow turners for the PTO driven for the tractor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could just because then I'll be able to be more active and more and also it'll save me so much time. Moving the compost with a, a tractor, which the tractor I'm using is a, a 50 horsepower Kubota tractor with a half cubic yard uh, bucket. Mm. So moving the amount of compost we have, it takes me a good chunk of the day, uh, especially the amount of compost we've been accumulating for the past uh, few weeks lately. Um, so, uh, so for a hot second, I was like, man, how would it look like if I built an actual PTO driven uh windmill compost turner mm. don't have time for that <laughs> yeah what if uh have you come across any designs for a screen <clears throat> i have there's somebody up north that i've seen that they build smaller for like that are built for pt uh for uh small compact tractors and uh i've seen their designs i've seen how much they sold it for i'm like which is way out of my budget uh i can't justify that right now but uh, I have seen a few designs out there. Um, so I but. wonder if there's an opportunity between you and Andrew to like, and even us, O-Town yeah. Compost, like if we all put our resources together, if we could, you know, find a way to screen the compost and Honestly. it would have to be mobile so we can move it from your site to Andrew's site. And I think there's a way to do it. Just yeah. Like find a, a friend that's an engineer and that's yeah <laughs> willing yeah. to help us out that was Scrap uh, materials easy to come around here uh yeah but uh it's just doing the design and making it happen that's how i built my first trommel screen my roommate was an engineer and right. we just had like hardware cloth lying around yeah and, that's so, awesome yeah but uh yeah screen is something i'm definitely wanting to look into because i see this black gold just down there but it's still <laughs> so chunky i'm like yeah uh, some of this ready to use, but I wonder you know. if you like ran it over with your tractor a couple of times. Ah, uh, I never thought about that. Yeah, I don't know how well that would work. Yeah, I mean, if there's it's some like, big sticks in there. <laughs> yeah, and if it's like too wet, yeah, I mean that would just like cake your tires. So yeah, it's got to be like the perfect uh, yeah, moisture, moisture content. Well, with this composting endeavor, um, is there anything like unexpected that really kind of made you um, like was shocking, positive or negative? Uh, It's kind of everything I expected. Um, Everything exactly what I expected when coming to comp. It was pretty exciting because all my years of just being a back before I was market grower, I was a backyard gardener and just backyard composting. And a lot of times it's just a compost heap, never mm-hmm. properly get a temp. So as soon as I properly started getting my ratio composting now and getting my ratios pretty 
to where they need to be and being actively turning and seeing compost get high was pretty exciting. So that's probably the part I'm like, oh man, I'm actually making some <laughs> yeah. good. Like that's what uh, backyard composters <laughs> don't realize is like, the, you know, backyard composting is great for yes. the sense you're Truly. keeping it out of the landfill. Truly. But you know, if you want to create that black gold, you kind of have to turn it. You have to manage it. Hot it. And yeah, get it going. So when I reached temps, when I was reaching more uh, hot temps, I was like, oh man, this is what that's happening. And then seeing the process of it breaking down so quickly compared to back when I was more of a home gardener, or even still as just starting as a market grower as well, that I used to just do compost heaps. And it's just kind of like a very passive thing there. It's just yeah. set and forget it. So now actively making compost has actually been pretty exciting and actually seeing that black gold and and speeding up that process. Um, I feel like the stuff that I have curing, I should be able to start using by the end of this year um, yeah. and start spreading it through our gardens. So That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and recently, Mike and his wife, Nikki, hosted uh, a Central Florida Farmers Meetup on their property. And I just happened to be there because yeah. I was <laughs> dumping that day. Yep. And then he's like, hey, go, you know, come along this evening. We're having a meetup. So I went home, changed, came back. And it was an awesome event where, you know, all all Central Florida's farmers from around the, the region came to kind of share successes. We toured Mike's farm. He kind of showed us like what he's doing in the greenhouse with his uh, peach orchard and all kinds of stuff. And then at the end, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I'm like, <laughs> hey, everyone check out this. Uh, this I, I had my truck sitting there. <laughs> Just so I could wait till everyone gathered around and then I, I dumped the hydraulics and onto the compost site. And yeah, I think people were like pretty pumped about that. I think that. so. I think so. <laughs> I think I enjoyed it. It's, uh, I thought it was great that we ended the whole night <laughs> around our compost heap. Yeah. And just everyone socializing around a compost heap. Yeah. It didn't smell. smell. It did not yeah. smell, which is, not, you know you're doing it right when it's not, it doesn't smell and you get that. The only smell you have is like a sweet earthy smell. What earthy, so, yeah. yeah. So. so it was funny us ending around the compost site, like me and my flip flops standing on the compost pile. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was an awesome event. Are yeah, there? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, I hope there's more events. Um, the uh, the two individuals that have been coordinating that coordinated that event because I was just a host. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they coordinated the event. They they plan on rotating it through different farms in different areas so yeah looking forward to the next well i think other farmers there were kind of jealous that you had such a beautiful compost operation going on yeah i I think so as well but it's definitely a lot of work yeah uh let me ask you about like contamination has that been an issue for you uh I'm just even using previous compost from like Monterey. I'm always been used to contamination in the mm-hmm. sense of like you always find gloves, strings, mm-hmm. um, even I guess with uh, the commercial and, and uh, residential stuff that y'all pick up, y'all do a pretty good job collecting all contamination. But even getting mulch from all these arborists around mm-hmm. town, they just always throw their water bottles in always, there. Always, yeah. So I'm always having a huge pile off to the side of just water bottles. <laughs> uh, but 
other than any other contamination I'm not aware of, but like actual physical plastic contamination. Yeah. I kind of expect it when it comes to composting. A lot of yeah. people still don't know what's compostable. And then also you're going back to the arborists. Like yeah, they those just, guys, they're just working all day. They're just blasting through those water bottles, which I'm also like, damn, y'all get <laughs> yeah. There's just a lot of plastic getting thrown in there. There's usually sometimes I'll find a, a full two cases of water bottles in these, uh, oh in these, these mulch piles. But um, no, I just manage and deal with it. It's kind of expected. Yeah. So. And then even once it gets through, when I start spreading in the garden, I'm pretty sure I'll find more contaminations here and there. But it's been pretty low for at least y'all's low. Most of my contamination lately is always the uh, the arborists, all the mulch guys. Mm -hmm. So well, yeah, those water bottles are like bigger; they stand out more. Yeah, Um, yeah, we try. Of course, we like. If the stickers is the big thing, the, yeah, the, you see a lot of the, the fruit and vegetable stickers on there, which I still can't comprehend why companies do that. So. Yeah, like, <laughs> can we come up with a better way for barcodes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As you start to take on more food scraps, you realize very quickly that you need a better composting system to process the material. This is why I highly recommend the Aerated Static Pile Microbin designed and made easy by O2 Compost. In 60 days, I have finished compost without putting in the labor of turning the pile. The piles heat up to over 140 degrees, killing pathogens, weed seeds, and fly larvae, making the end product safe to use in the garden. With 32 plus years of experience in the compost industry, Peter Moon, owner of O2 Compost, is a leading expert in the field of ASP composting. I encourage you to set up a free half an hour consultation with Peter Moon by going to his website www.o2compost.com. That's the letter O, the number two, compost.com. If you mentioned that you heard about O2 Compost on this podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount on the purchase of the Microbin Compost Training Program. So, you know, do you feel like, you know, from the composting perspective, the food waste recycling perspective, do you feel like farmers like Everoak and Fruit Farms can be a significant piece of the food recycling infrastructure in Central Florida? Oh, totally. Like, I think this idea of like a community, community supported farms working with community composters should be a great partnership. Uh, it kind of makes sense. Uh, and versus versus like a centralized composting Mm -hmm. site where you know you know o-town is bringing collecting and bringing all our food waste to like one centralized yeah so i i like the whole community decentralized because i'm a big individual in decentralizing everything so Mm -hmm. the more you have diversity and more things that are decentralized the i feel like the more uh the, the more sustainable essentially can be or because you're not putting all your eggs in one basket what like if that something happens at one processing site exactly. what are you going to do with all that food waste which i don't know what could potentially go wrong but you never know in this day and age. yeah so and then also just the the community food scraps working into the actually the to the community supported farms and feeding the soil there and yeah. then also growing food for because we are we have a lot of uh 
community, um, a lot of our CSA members, are, I feel like, are also O-Town subscribers as well. That's right. Um, so it's kind of cool uh, when I'm out doing deliveries, uh, doing CSA deliveries, and seeing O-Town um, uh, lawn signs yeah. or O-Town buckets <laughs> by the door. Um, you know that's just going right back, back to you. Exactly. <laughs> that's coming right back. Um, even some of the restaurants we partner with, I think uh, you just started working with New Moon. Yeah, well. that's um, right. Yeah. So we'll work, work with New Moon here and there. So buy, uh, we'll buy from them. So it's um, so it's cool to see that you partner up with them. So that kind of I like to see the cycle through. Uh, I've seen that whole cycle happen. Yeah, and I gave Mike the incentive if he you know <laughs> refers a restaurant that he you know sells his produce to or sells food to. Yeah. If he refers a restaurant to us and they start composting. That's a, a Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, exactly. A Benjamin Franklin <laughs> in his pocket. So um, that's a, you know, Mike is around town. He's talking with these restaurant owners. And we want to get as many restaurants as possible um, composting. So he has that kind of restaurant knowledge where I don't. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I think... I think that the future of composting in Central Florida does involve these on-farm composters. I think so, and I, I hope there's more urban... Well, it's tough to do it in an urban setting because of the amount of space there is and with city regulations and some county regulations. Yeah. Um, but maybe that'll change one day. <laughs> yeah, you get one neighbor complaint in your yeah. kind of like SOL, but I think... Um, you know, you and Andrew have just been like so essential for our operation. And mm -hmm. right now we are pretty heavily dependent on it. We do have a aerobic digester yeah, uh, coming. Tell me about that. So but you know, excited. that'll that'll be for some of our, our food waste, but we still want to maintain this relationship. And, um, you know, I think what we really need is just different pieces of infrastructure a diverse set of infrastructures to handle because i mean there's so much food waste out here yeah. I, i'm not i love the idea of a centralized composting site but it wouldn't be the only composting site like all our food waste would not just go to this one composting site we would still maintain farm partnerships around the region and like if we are doing our east orlando route we're obviously going to end at your site or Andrew's. Um, yeah. So y'all are expanding to Lake County here soon, right? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, and like you accept like the BPI certified compostable bags. How yeah. did those break down? At first, I was like, "Man, this is really going to break down." <laughs> <laughs> Even talking to Tom, he was like, "Man, there's so much plastic," and I was like. No, but it's like, it should break down, but you got to get it hot. What I gather, you have to get your compost you hot. You have to get it hot and you have to be actively on it. And man, those bags disappeared by like the third turn. Mm -hmm. Like I was actually really surprised how quick they like disappear. Yeah. Um, I was, I think liners are essential to mm. kind of like the, the front end of the composting process. Like, yeah. you know, we have all these subscribers and, they're not going to be cleaning out their buckets. No, I and then I totally understand that the it just kind of makes the ease of composting yeah. on that residential scale and the cleanliness of it as well. Right. 
um, which I think always a concern with most people in composting that they think of it as like very dirty and so it's yeah. trying to make it as clean as possible. Uh, but yeah, those aligners, uh, I was actually pretty amazed how fast they actually break down. But you know, I never realized like you have to get that pile high for yeah. it to break down really well. So like the bags that don't get into the center of the pile, they stay. They stay, but yeah. when you eventually turn it in and like... I've noticed that too, like on towards the outside, you'll still get little chunks here and there, but as soon as I turn it in, the stuff that's on the top eventually mm -hmm. goes on the bottom and the stuff that's in the core comes up to the top of the pile. And then you're like, all right, now they're essentially gone. So, um, that's actually good. pretty nice. I, I'm not even really too familiar with that whole material and the process, how it's manufactured or even where yeah that materials it's some from. like biodegradable resin that they use like a plant-based um polymer but you know that's a good question i'm not even that familiar with yeah. uh but biobag and ecosafe are two of the biggest mm. you know um distributors of those bags and we have a partnership with ecosafe which i feel like has like the strongest bags because you want your bags to be like fairly strong. Yeah, that's why I've also gathered because sometimes you come across these bags that I just as soon as you pull them out, <laughs> like, yeah. they, they just stretch and just pop right pop. there. <laughs> so, yeah. And I've noticed even with those bags how durable they are because there's times I'm turning on those buckets and there's certain loads that they, they're hanging off the side of the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> and, are, and after being there for a couple of days, uh, after y'all dump and like, and they're still holding on. They're actually yeah. really good bags, but they break down good and they break down easy. You just have yeah. to make sure that pile's hot. And vice versa, like we don't allow any BPI certified, like you know those BPI utensils that resemble plastic. Yeah, that they always say they're compostable or biodegradable. Yeah, like they, they may, they be, but they just take <laughs> forever. <laughs> But technically, you read the label and they have to be processed at a certain facility in one of those facilities. Yeah. There's only like one or two of those facilities. And, you know, you, you <laughs> space is a premium mm -hmm. at your compost site. So, you know, it can't take more than a, a few days to break down yeah. for you. So that's why we try to, yeah, we try to just keep it strict on what we'll accept as far as serviceware. So... And what other service wares out there that's compostable? So, that, in, a, in the sense of at our level of composting, I would say anything that's like fiber based, like okay. paper plates, bamboo. paper bowls. Bamboo is another good one, um, even though that does take a little longer to break down. But when we're doing like a green wedding, bamboo plates might we might get a lot of bamboo plates. And then for utensils, it has to be either wood or bamboo. Okay. And that just is like carbon material, that just like the wood chips, you know. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, do you think, like, what is, in your, you're a farmer, like, what is the future of farming uh, and, like, fertility and, so, like, as resources become more scarce? Yeah, you kind of already see this trend happening that there's a lot more small scales popping up throughout the whole uh, whole country. And a lot of people and a lot of those individuals that are farming based their fertility around using composting, um, I think this is just going to keep progressing forward. Um, I feel like what I'm doing is going to become more common. I've been, I listen to other 
uh, podcasts and, uh, and follow other farms that they're now partnering up with other community composters or also now do on-site composting on their farm. Um, um, now I'm losing my train of thought on that. But there, yeah, that new, uh, there's a new composting so, podcast that was just published, I yeah. think, and that's a great example of other farms around the country. And uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. But. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's becoming, it's slowly going to become more common now. I think 10 years from now, I think you'll see more farms that um, will be doing a lot more on-site composting, especially a lot of machinery is becoming uh, uh, like tractors, compact tractors are becoming mm-hmm. affordable and, and just building partnerships and working with people in the community members mm-hmm. and your community members to um, build up on that and, and working with community composters as well. So I hope farms um, keep moving in that direction, which seems like it does because compost is hell expensive <laughs> as yeah. well. And then understandable, the amount of work that goes into um, making compost like a um, good quality product, a good, yeah. product a good quality compost I totally understand but sometimes when you're first starting out on a farm and that's a good chunk of uh, change that goes yeah. into that so I think the next best thing <clears throat> is to do it and then it's also cutting down the amount of like petroleum being used because some of these larger composters I think most uh, local growers around here gets their compost on the west coast of Florida or mm-hmm. um and I'm just like, man, the freight that comes from to deliver a load wow. from here to there, I'm just like, I, I just, yeah. so that's why I also wanted to get more compost on site and keeping it local within the city and within our, and within our, in and around the farm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more young uh, farmers coming into the scene. Uh, the big thing is just land. Mm-hmm. coming across the land and even I think with most community composters having the place to yeah. process so it's um, hard so to farm. I think it'll be great if farmers and composters keep working together farmers become composters composters become farmers and yeah it goes hand in hand um but yeah all right yeah I mean with that we'll end the conversation thanks <laughs> yeah, so much Mike yeah, for, for joining me yeah truly and thank I you. feel like it's always good to get the perspective of our processors because you know they're uh, doing it not just for fun but they're actually using this uh, compost on their farm to grow vegetables and fruit trees so it's uh what it's all about (laughs) all right take care please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to If you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about compost, 